0: It seemed like a great idea. I'd, gave, I'd given it a lot of thought. I'd planned for it. I'd researched it. It, it was going to be fun. It was going to be exciting. It was going to be—actually, I, I thought it was going to be life-changing. I, I have no idea where the idea came from. I don't know. I don't know what what uh, what planted the seed, but but I decided. And Reed and I hadn't been married very long. We were in our first ministry in New Missouri, and. Uh, I came up with this idea. I thought it was a grand idea. I came up with this idea that that we were going to buy bikes. Uh, now, not not motorcycle bikes because I've talked about that before. She wouldn't let me have one of those. But but we we're going to buy pedal bikes. We we're going to buy bike not not just any bikes, not just a cheap bike to kind of just pedal around town. We were going to we were going to get nice bikes, one, ones that you could take long trips on. And I envisioned doing that. So. So now, Rito, I don't believe she was ever quite sold on the idea, but but man, I got excited about it. And I remember driving to Kansas City and buying a a, a, a matching pair of bright red Swin ten speed bicycles. Now they weren't totally matching; hers was the girl's version of the the bike, but but otherwise than that, they were matching. And and I got those home. And and the reality is, the at least when we first got them, it. Riding like I thought we were going to didn't quite materialize. Now we we had a son at that time. Brian was just a baby, and we'd we'd mounted a car seat on the back of Rita's bike because I didn't want to be bothered with the, that on mine, but, but but mounted on the back so that that we could ride. So we we rode around town a little bit, and and the idea was we can take that thing off whenever we do our long rides. If we do our hundred mile ride or bike across uh, Kansas or Missouri type deal. Uh, but I, you know, it just never happened. Four or five miles was the farthest we ever, we ever went. And then, and then she got pregnant. And there was something about being pregnant that dissuaded her from wanting to ride a bicycle. I don't know what that was. Um, but the the bikes got parked in the back of our garage, uh, and began to collect dust. Now, now, fast forward about a year later, we had moved from Yule, Missouri to Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and I came up with an idea this is going to be great. This is going to be fun. I I, I was both going to be able to get in shape and save money at the same time. I was going to ride my my bright red Swin 10-speed bike to the office every day. It was about 10 miles uh, through traffic to get to the church, about a half an hour commute. Really, on a bike, it wouldn't have been that much slower. And doing that, I could save gas money. Plus, we only had one car at the time. Rita would have a Uh, a car. We had two kids at the, the time. She'd have a car at home. I could ride the bike. And, and I remember that first morning I got up to, to ride my, my Schwinn to the office. And, and I, uh, I put on a pair of shorts and just so your minds don't go there, no, they weren't bicycle shorts, just a pair of, pair of shorts. Uh, I thought about that, (laughs) but, but they never got any further than that. But I, I, I got some, some shorts and a t-shirt and then I took my, my my dress clothes, the clothes I was going to wear at the office and shoes, put them in a backpack, put it on my, my, my back. I, I remember kissing Rita goodbye and giving the boys a hug and kissing them goodbye. And, and I remember kind of walking out, doing my best Barney imitation, getting on my bicycle, I'm going to ride to the church. I was about halfway there. I, I remember where it was, Roll Springs Road. Uh, and, and, well, I forget what the intersection was, but Green, Greenwell Springs, I think it was Choctaw or Airline Highway, one of the two, and a car got just a little bit close to me, and I, I swerved toward, I was riding on the so I swerved to the right a little bit, and no, I didn't wreck, those of you that are thinking, I, but I did run my back tire up on the curb and bent the rim, and so the rest of the, the, rest of the five miles to the church, I'm thump, 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 all the way there, had to call Rita and said, oh, okay, 334, come pick me up because I'm not going to ride this bike home. So so this, this plan that was going to s- save us money and get me in shape um, ended up costing us money, 50 bucks for a new rim, and that was the only one and only time I rode my bike to work. Now, now I, I never became the avid bicyclist that, that I dreamed of, that I thought about. For for one reason, well, really two. Number one, I was a wimp. Obviously, the car got a little close. I freaked out, and so that wasn't going to work very good. But but the real reason is I I, I never committed to it. I, I wanted to. It seemed like a good idea. I had a desire to do it. I dreamed uh, about it. I I could envision myself riding vast distances uh, in the wild open area and and being in great. Ch- I, I but I never. I never committed now those two bright red twin bicycles sit in a in a shed at our house gathering uh, cobwebs and dust uh, with flat tires I'm sure I've not they've not been out of that shed in 20 years Uh, the reality was I wasn't committed today we're starting a new series uh, in uh, in the book of Hebrews Hebrews. Hebrews was written you you might guess from the title the book of Hebrews was written to Jewish Christians and one of the themes that that is interwoven throughout the book so so I will encourage you over the next uh, we'll we'll be in it for for about 8 or 10 weeks I would encourage you as we're working our way through this this book to to be reading uh, the book of Hebrews. Now, I'll, I'll be honest. There's times it gets a little bit difficult. It, it it can be tedious at times. But man, it is full of some interesting things and and and, and unique challenges to our faith. But one of the things that that is interwound throughout the book is this: Are you committed? Uh, so so you'll you'll see that as we as we preach through the next several weeks, as you read it, and and You'll you'll notice that thought. Are you committed? Now now that question comes comes to the book or comes at the readers of the book from a couple different angles. Uh, kind of addresses a couple different situations, or or maybe you look at it this way: it's, it it maybe it's it's actually written to two different groups of, of people. Here's the first one: Hebrews was written. If you're keeping track in your notes, Hebrews was written to Jewish Christians. So Christians. That had uh, had had their Jewish faith as their foundation. They they had been committed Jews and and had been introduced to Jesus and had become followers of Christ. It was written to Jewish Christians who were struggling with their allegiance. They they had converted to Christ. They understood who Jesus was, but now they were struggling with their 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 allegiance. What or who was going to reign in their hearts? What or who was going to be number one? Their Jewish tradition, following their their Jewish upbringing, their background, their Jewish tradition, or Jesus? Who, who are you going to be committed to? Now, if you have your Bibles turn to turn to the Book of Hebrews, we're going to read two or three different passages from there today. Uh, we're actually going to be looking today in chapter three, but go back to chapter one. This is how the writer starts out the the book, and and I think you. You can catch right off the bat, he's laying the foundation. Okay, are you going to follow tradition or are you going to follow Jesus? In the past, chapter 1, verse 1, in the past God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways, but in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of His being, sustaining all things by His powerful Word, after which He had provided purifications for sin. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So that's what it's saying. You've got to make a decision. Are you going to follow Jewish tradition or are you going to follow Jesus? Now, Now, in essence, what... And we'll see that throughout the book. What he was saying is you can, you can value your Jewish tradition. You can cherish your, your Jewish heritage. And we'll see that referred to many times. But the challenge is also laid out. Who are you going to be committed to? Who are you going to commit to first and foremost? And obviously that is Jesus. The, the, the meaning of the book or the challenge of the book also has a, uh, a broader application, and that's where it hits us. Uh, so, so it's written to Jewish Christians, but it expands out to us. And, and the application that targets us today in the church, uh, c- cause I don't think we're, I, I guess we're not struggling with Jewish tradition. I don't know of any of you that were raised Jewish and that's really a problem for you. Uh, so, so this is how it hits us. Hebrews is written to the church. And it makes this statement. We, we see this throughout the book, over and over again. It makes this statement: Jesus is Lord, and He paid the sacrifice for sin. And ask the question: Are you going to follow Him? Are you going to follow Him? So, as you read the book of, book of Hebrews, remember remember that Jesus is Lord. Uh, you'll you'll see Him referred to oftentimes in this book as the High Priest. That's the that's the connection to the Jewish way of thinking. So, so he'll be referred to the high priest, but really, what it's saying is Jesus is Lord, and He paid the price for our salvation, uh, and He paid it with His blood. If you have your Bible still there in Hebrews, we're, we're, I promise we're going to go to chapter three in just a second. But when you flip back to chapter nine, or go forward? Actually, go go forward to chapter nine. Let me read. Let me just read kind of a foundational verse where it makes that comment about about who he is. Chapter 9, verse 12 to 14. He did not enter by means of blood or goats or calves, but he entered the most holy place once and for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. So so he's talking using the, the, the symbolism of the high priest. The high priest would go into the Holy of Holies once a year to deal with sin for the people. But Jesus did it once for all uh, with his own blood the blood of goats and bulls, the ashes of heifers sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean, sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciousness consciousness from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. So let me ask the question here today. Are you committed? So, so now go to chapter 3. Now we're, we finally got to the text that we're actually going to look at here today. Chapter 3, let's look at verses 12 through 14 and notice what he says there. It's asking the question, are you committed? See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. Are you committed? We're just going to look at two things here this morning. Are you committed? Are you committed to protecting, to protecting your heart? I have a uh, a brother-in-law, Chuck. Chuck is my oldest sister uh, Becky's husband. Chuck. Is a retired Illinois state policeman. Uh, years ago, uh, we, we were home for a holiday—Thanksgiving, Christmas, somewhere in there—and I always loved it when when Chuck uh, w- would drop by family gatherings. Sometimes he would be at the end of a shift. Sometimes his his uh, his territory was was our home county, so sometimes it would be while he was on duty. Other times he would come to things before he he went to to work, but he would be all decked out in his. Uh, Illinois state trooper outfit, complete with his hat. I was going to bring his. I've got one of his state trooper hats. Uh, uh, I was going to wear that today, but I forgot to bring it. But but he would show up with that, and man, he always looked so cool. And so so one night he showed up. He was getting ready to go to work, and he said, "Hey Tim, do you want to ride along with me tonight?" And I'm thinking, sweet, of course I do. So 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 he. He, he he had to leave and he came back a little bit later in the evening. Said I'll, I'll be around. I don't remember what time, about ten o'clock. And and so he pulled up to, and picked me up. And and I remember looking. And I think, man, it was cool. He had this this shiny black belt, big old wide black belt, and it had every gadget on it you could imagine. I mean, it it had the handcuffs. I think a couple pair of those. And so he could just whip those handcuffs out real quick. And uh, and and it had one of the I don't know what you call it, Kevin. You're you're one of those sticks that you kind of snap out and you can smack people in the legs with them or do well I don't know what you do with those but keep dogs away I don't know but had one of those in there had had the 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 flashlight and I don't know it may have had a decoder ring in there somewhere I'm not sure but but on on his right hip it had one of those go ahead Clint Eastwood go ahead make my day type guns I mean that thing was massive and and as I got in the car with him looking I'm I'm thinking he looked Chuck looked just a little bit different. Something was different from what, what I noticed earlier in the evening and, and I, I kinda I kinda reached over, Bobby, if you don't mind, I kinda reached over and did this to him. That felt the same way Chuck did. But he he looked buffered, but he had a bulletproof vest on. And so I reached over and was like, Wow, you got a bulletproof vest on. And so I asked the obvious question. You know what question I asked? Where's mine? Yeah. <laughs> Do I get do I get one of those babies and he he just said nope. <laughs> you just get to get down if uh, if uh, hot lead starts flying uh, you're on your own. But uh, but but I got thinking. I got thinking, you know, I could never be a cop cuz if I was a policeman, I wouldn't I wouldn't stop at a bulletproof vest. I would want a bulletproof bodysuit. I mean, head to toe. In fact, I think what that what what I would be best at is put me in a bulletproof box out on a corner. And I will observe and report. So, so if I if I see someone speeding, I could you know I could holler at a real cop and say, oh, yeah, the the blue Ford just went down, uh, uh, turned left on Maple. Uh, you need to get him; he was speeding. Or, or someone robbed a bank. Yeah, the the robbers came out. They jumped in a car. They're headed. Uh, put me in a bulletproof box, but 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 you really can't do your job in a bulletproof box or a bulletproof body suit. So. Uh, so you end up with a bulletproof vest. Why? Well, it protects the vital organs. One of those being, it protects the heart. the The writer of Hebrews, um, and and I will, I may slip up and and uh, give my bias a few times during this series, but but I'll tend to refer. Uh, when I refer to Hebrews, I'll tend to refer to it as the writer of Hebrews, and and, and the reason is we're we're not sure who wrote this book. Uh, a lot of people believe Paul did, and I I tend to I tend to lean that direction. It's just easier for me to think that way since he wrote so much uh, of the other parts of the New Testament. But but there's no consensus. Some think it was Paul. Some think it was was Luke, the guy that wrote the the Gospel of Luke and the Book of Acts. Some think it was Barnabas, the encourager. Or, or Silas, the guy that took Barnabas' place, some Apollos. There's even some to believe it was a lady named Priscilla that wrote the book. But, but either way, it says that we need to protect our heart. Did you see what it said? See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart. And he lists he lists three things that we need to protect our heart from. Here's the first one. It's right there in the text. It's not hard to figure out. First thing he says is that we need to protect our heart from sin. Now, now that's kind of obvious, isn't it? Uh, of course we need to protect our hearts from sin. But do you realize the, the, the sin, that sin is a battle for our heart. It's, sin is a struggle for our allegiance. Who are you going to bow to? Who's going to, uh, to be number one in your life? Who are you going to anoint the king of your life? Who are you going to put on the throne of your life? That really is what sin is about. Uh, there, there's no room for two kings in our life. Jesus addressed that in Matthew chapter 6 when he said, you cannot serve God and money uh, at the same time. You'll be devoted to one and, and not the other. And, and by that, Jesus really didn't just mean money. He was talking about there, but really you can't serve God and something else at the same time. You can't, you can't have two things on the throne of your life at the same time. We can't willfully allow sin into our life and then be, be surprised that it has a detrimental effect on our life. In, in fact, scripture points out very plainly to us that sin is a battle. Uh, in first Peter chapter two, 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 11, it says this, Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires. Now, now catch the phraseology here, which war against you. Peter obviously saying there that, that sin and the battle we face with it is a, is a war. It's a battle. 1 Peter 5 8, later on, Peter says this, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Satan wants to devour us. We are in a battle. Paul addressed it in Ephesians chapter 6. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, and and he actually spent a whole section talking about how we need to be prepared for it. But in, in, in chapter 6, verse 12, he says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realm. We might be we might be tempted to take sin lightly. But but the New Testament writers didn't. They realized that sin was a battle. Be, because here's the problem Sin separates us from. From God, at at its core, at at the very at the very uh, very level of what sin is, is that it separates us from God. Sin sin also severs our communication with God. Let me um, let me illustrate it this way. Uh, how many how many uh, husbands or wives here have ever had an argument with your spouse? Just go ahead and raise your hand. Just let's see if there's some of you're not sure never well you guys whew. okay our our goal is to work on nick uh, and judy see if we can't get them fighting about something so um so let me know when you you're successful but most husband's and wives have a struggle and, and and maybe your arguments are are just short and then they're over and you kiss and make up and it's just just that way or or maybe, maybe it's one person that blows up and the other one just sits there and takes it. Or, or maybe you're an all out, I mean, back and forth. Both of you just, I, you know, we all have our different styles. But, but I would imagine most of us follow a general pattern. Reed and I do. What, we will get upset or, or, uh, or, or have some type of argument. And, and at some point, one of us, if not both of us, will walk away. Which isn't a bad thing. It's not, not a bad thing to, to walk away, maybe to calm down, but, but, but sometimes that walk away is stomp out, slam a door behind you. I, I've been known to, uh, I haven't done it in years, I don't think, but, I, but a couple times I slammed the front door, jumped in the car, and with my little economy front wheel drive, you know, spun a little bit of gravel loose, you know, yeah, that's when you wish you had a muscle car or you could smoke the tires, but, 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 but here's the reality. The, the unintended Yet, undeniable consequence of argument that leads to going your own way is a severing of communication. Now, now, a lot of you guys have been married for years. You, you know that the way you overcome that is to communicate. You, you come back and you you say you're sorry. You you work it out. You figure it out. So so obvious. That's what we do. But 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 the truth is, that sin that separates us from God, whether it's small, large. Whether it's one that we struggle with all the time, or some whole brand new sin, or odd, when when we have sin, it separates us from God, and and the unintended yet undeniable consequence of that is it severs our communication with God, and and catch this, I think that's what he's talking about here when he says, when he brings up this obvious, hey guys, get rid of this sinful heart, is when we sin, it seizes our thoughts. Uh, I may not catch you in, in these, but, uh, but kind of think to yourself and, of a sin problem that you have, and if you can't think of one, then go ahead and ask your wife or husband. They'll be able to help you out with this maybe. But, but, but if it's anger, if anger is where you sin, stop and think about it. Doesn't it take over your thoughts? If sexual sin is what, what, what uh, consumes you, it takes over your thoughts. If it's pride, pride takes over your thoughts. If it's jealousy, if you're jealous, it takes over your thought. If it's covetousness, if you see what other people have, man, I just wish I had those things, it takes over your heart. See, the reality is we have to give then our hearts to God. In in 2 Corinthians chapter, uh, chapter 10, Paul speaks of this in verses 3 to 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, 3 to 5, Paul says this, for though we live in the world. We do not wage war as the world does. We don't. We don't fight like the world. No, notice again, he's talking about this idea of a battle, just like I said earlier with sin. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, we have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against uh, uh, against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought. To make it obedient to Christ, so so the opposite is true of us. We have to take captive every thought in let instead of letting sin seize our thoughts. Uh, so we have to protect our hearts from sin. Notice, notice the th- second thing he says there in verse twelve. So that that none of you has a sinful. Notice the next thing, unbelieving heart. What a what an odd thing to say uh, what what an odd thing to say. He's writing a letter to the church, which is a group of believers. The the and, and this church, this letter was written to believers, okay, albeit Jewish believers uh who, who, who not only had, had at a commitment with God and, and with Christ, but their, their faith had started out in believing in Jehovah. So they really had had two encounters with God and two different ways of believing, their, their old way and their new way. How odd that he writes a letter to believers and he says, watch out, protect your heart against unbelief. Am, am I the only one that that thinks this seems a little bit odd? It's it's odd, but then again, if we're honest with ourselves, it, it isn't. Uh, what what is belief anyway? What 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 does that what does that mean? So how, how do we how do we define belief? Belief is trust. It's trust. Have have you ever been guilty, even though you're a believer? Have you ever been guilty of not trusting God? of of not handing Something in your life and and maybe that goes back to c number a there maybe that goes back to sin. Have we ever been guilty of not trusting God with a sin in our life or not trusting God with a problem in our life, not trusting God with a with an uncertainty in our life? have Have we ever been guilty of not trusting God by handing something over to him i, I don 't know about you, but yes indeed here so 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 maybe it makes sense when he says, Guard your heart against unbelief because even as a believer. I sometimes struggle to trust. Uh, wh- what does belief mean? Well, it's it's faith. Well, well, do you uh, ever struggle to have faith? I I I can't see how God's going to show up. I, I I know Scripture says He is. I know His promises says He's going to show up. I I can't see how He's going to show up, show up. I don't know when He's going to show up. What that's going to look like. And sometimes I struggle to I struggle to have the faith that He's going to do that. So, so maybe it makes sense to write to a believer and say hey protect your heart against unbelief and 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 what's faith if faith is not commitment if if belief is not saying i'm going to trust you i'm going to have faith i'm going to be committed see belief is knowing is a knowing that produces action let me say that again faith or belief is a knowing that produces action. And and he mentions one more thing here uh, for us. Look at verse 13. But encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Now, uh, if you're sitting near a, a spouse or your spouse or a spouse, uh, uh, Re- Ladies, if you would reach over to your your husband or someone else's husband, no, let's let, let's let's not do that. But reach over to your husband and just ever so gently. And this is going to be a special moment, you know. And I'll pause and just allow a little little moment. If you- but reach over and just gently rub your husband's hand. Just gently reach over and come on, Lacey. You can- There you go. There. No, it's not. Let la- you know it's gentle. Now, now depending on what they do, I only have one. I, I don't know. What this is from, my other hand wouldn't have qualified, but I have one, one callus on one. Yeah, that's callus, right? Yeah, I've, my, I've been swinging golf clubs unsuccessfully recently, so that's probably my a golf club callus. But, uh, but, 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 what what is a callus? But, but dried, hard, skin. Now I, I don't. I don't know if this was an Illinois thing. When I was a kid, we, we did this to impress the girls. Did, didn't you ever do this? Take a, uh, a needle or maybe a paper clip or not a paper clip. That might have hurt, but a, uh, uh, what's the Bobby safety pin? Thank you. Thank you. And, and run that through a callus. Didn't did anybody ever do that? Am I the only one? Thank you, Dan. Appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. The girls love that. So, so guys, if you want to impress girls tomorrow, Take a, take a pen with you and, hey, look at this. Just be careful not to get too deep because crying in front of girls does not impress them. Uh, but, but you can take a, if you've got a good old callus, you can take a, a needle and run it through that and and catch this. With, with that callus, you don't feel a thing. And I think that's what he's talking about there. He says, guard your heart. So that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. See, see what the writer warns us of is that sin's deceitfulness will harden, will harden our hearts. If we allow sin and unbelief to go unchecked, what happens is we don't feel anything. So we can sin and we don't feel anything. We we can blow up in anger and ruin our witness, and we don't feel anything. Now, now, let me just point out the opposite. If you feel something, it's not good that you sin, but but if you feel it, then then that's that's a positive thing. We can covet our neighbor's things and and let that consume us, and we don't feel anything if we're hardened. If we we can be overcome with lust and we don't feel anything, we can take God's name in vain or use other words that just destroy what people see in us and we don't feel anything. We can bow down to other things in our life and we don't feel anything. If if we are hardened by by sin and unbelief, we, we don't feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. And so he says, guard your hearts. Guard your hearts from being hardened. Are you committed to protecting your heart? Are you committed to protecting your heart? And, and, and let's look at one last thing. We'll finish up with this. Um, well, how? How do we protect our heart? Did, did, did you notice, and, and I don't know if you kind of, as I've been talking, if you've looked back over that those verses or kind of reread those or read along with me, uh, did, did you notice that what, what appears to be missing from this text now he lists three things we need to protect ourselves from sin, unbelief, and hardening. I mean it's it's a good three point list there. protect yourself from that. But did did you notice that it doesn't appear that he that he tells us what we need to do to protect our how 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 do we how do we figure that out? See, we tend we, we tend the church want to have answers. We want, hey God, tell me what I need to do so I can follow that and and uh uh, you, you know, what, what's your will for me? How are you going to bless me? How are you going to show up? That's what we want to know. But, but the reality is, he does. It may not be as obvious, but he does point out two things that we need to do to protect our heart. Notice the first one, verse thirteen: "But encourage one another daily." See, our 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 first thing. And now this is not an exhaustive list, but the first first thing he mentions here that we can do to protect our heart is actually kind of not what we would put, but it's what he puts. First thing we can do is encourage other people. Why? Why, why would he list that? Why would Why would he say if you want to protect your heart from sin, unbelief, hardness, you need to encourage others? I think when when we see weakness and vulnerability in other people's lives, so so when we see where someone else might be struggling, or at least where they they could possibly struggle, if we if we can see hurt and and, and difficulty in there, if we can see if, if we can see weakness and vulnerability in other people's lives, I think it makes it easier for us to see the same in our own life. Uh. Years ago, I mean, this is uh, probably 30 years ago, a group from, uh, from Rushville Christian Church went to Snow Creek. In fact, I don't think Snow Creek had been open, but just for a couple years at this time. And, and, uh, uh we, we went down there skiing. I think it was the second or third time that, uh, that I had gone. And, and I started out, yes, on the bunny slopes, uh, the, the first time I went, I, I didn't leave the bunny slope. So I think this was the second time I was there and I, I went back to the bunny slope and had a good time going up and down. But, but you know, after a while, I got tired of holding on to that rope. Now, I certainly be walking up the hill, but that's a lot of work. And, and I saw these other people, the, the old people and little kids alike riding that little sled. They're just, or not sled, but the little, little, uh, um uh, lift yeah a bench they just sit there and come around jump on there and they take them out. and I was like that looks cool if nothing else I want to ride that one time and and so I said something to Rita I said hey do you want to go up top and Rita just pretty emphatically said nope bunny slope is great for me and uh but I didn't want to go by myself I I you know so so I found a one of our high school girls her uh, Heather Gary and I said Heather uh, you, you wanna, you wanna go with me to the top. And Heather was excited. She was doing a good job on the bunny slope, just like, man, I I was ripping up the bunny slope. And, uh, <laughs> well, I was making it from top to bottom without falling. And, uh, so, so Heather and I got on that. And, and <laughs> that first time that thing comes around, you're like, what do I do? Do I jump? But we made it up. And, and as hard as that is, how to get off at the top, uh, is the other thing. Do you, you know, uh, but, but we made it off and we, we, we skied over to the, 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 the easiest one, and we made it down. I mean, we both fell several times, and 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 it took us a long time, but we made it. we we did that the rest of the night. And then the night was about over. We were about ready to leave, and we headed up. And I said, Heather, you want to you want to try the big one? Now I don't know if this is the hardest one, but and it's probably changed. I haven't been to Snow Creek in twenty years. But but when you first walked out, there's one that comes straight, and it looks like it comes straight down the hill. It looks like it is a sheer cliff. It's not. And that's what I was thinking of. We, you want to do that one? And she kind of looked at me like, okay. And so we get off and we stand up there at the top and I'm looking at Heather and I'm thinking, Heather, you're going to die. And she's looking at me and think, she's thinking, Tim, you're going to die. But, but, but the reality is somehow in, in sharing our, our weakness, our vulnerability, in this case our stupidity, uh, we headed down. Now, now, uh, the way you're supposed to do that is you go down the hill and maybe a little. You know, we just went uh, side to side to side. We we had little kids that 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 went down, went back up, went down, went back up, and passed us three times. You know, before we made the bottom, but we got the bottom. Man, there was joy and shouts of uh, and high fives and a hug. But but we saw in each other what what was really in our own hearts. So so oddly enough, one of the things he says here, if, if you want to protect your heart, do this first by encouraging others. And one last thing, and we close with this. Look at verse uh, verse 14. He says, We have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. If we hold on to that Conviction. Some versions say say confidence. The the Greek word for conviction or the Greek word for confidence that we're to hold on to is the is the Greek word hypostasis. Hupo means under, and stasis means standing. So you put them together, it's understanding. So uh, you you wouldn't think originally that understanding. Well, that doesn't make make sense. Rather, is you have to you, you have to turn. Turn them uh, around, inside out, and and it really means standing under. Conviction is standing under, but that doesn't, well, that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense either. As far as I I need, I need to 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 stand uh, stand under, but but what it's talking about literally is what's underneath us. It's what's standing under us. What our foundation is. See. We, we go back to what I said at the very start as this, uh, as this letter applies to us. Hebrews is written to the church and it makes this statement. And, and this is the foundation that we're, we're going to see throughout this book. It's, it's the conviction. It's the confidence that we have to hold on to. It's what we stand on. Jesus is Lord and he paid the sacrifice for sin are you going to follow would you bow with me father we thank you this morning that your word speaks truth to us your word challenges us with even the simple thought are we going to be committed are we going to stay true to you father are we going to protect our heart are we going to protect our heart from the things that would uh, would keep us from you sin and unbelief and hardness. And Father, are we going to, going to do that in practical ways? Are we going to look at other people and see the the challenges in their life, thus opening up our eyes to our own challenges? Father, help us uh, have uh, have that hope and that, and that trust and that action in our life. Father, help us answer that question over and over again over the next few weeks. Are we committed? In Jesus' name. Amen.